Hi, welcome to January Men, the January Boys fan cast. I'm listening to Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls. And I'm overrated. Uh, today on the podcast, I'm very excited once again to be discussing my favorite film in the franchise, January Boys 5, uh, The Man Who Was January, directed by Dario Argento. This is a really interesting installment in the franchise because it operates by so many of its own rules. You know, it fits within the story arc of the others, but it also just takes so many liberties that it's, it is kind of invigorating and it's been a cult sleeper hit among January Boys fans for a long time, largely due to, as we talked about the last episode, it was only released theatrically in Italy at the time. That's correct. Um, I was there. I, I had flown, I'd heard about it, sort of through the dark web, and I flew on a kite and then on a plane through uh, a couple of tunnels and some hoops, and because I don't have a passport, I had to hop a spice boat from Jamaica up through the coast, but I did make it to the premiere. I was on the red carpet. You can see pictures of me hiding behind the director. And this may have begun Dario's fascination with you, as we've touched upon before. He uh, is monitoring your every move. Yes. Um, hi, Dario. Just uh, waved to the camera that's placed in the corner of my bedroom, which is in an underground vault. Appropriately. I am a creature of the deep, and I always have been. I don't really need sunlight in order to get my vitamin D. I feast on uh, rats and insects for that. In our last episode, we broke down the plot of January Boys 5 because it was so different. It seemed to really uh, justify a whole episode in itself just to recap. It operates on a sort of dream logic, as many Dario Argento films do, so it doesn't follow really a conventional three-act arc in the way you would think. Uh, But today we're going to talk about behind-the-scenes aspects of the film and just how it really came to be, because it's really quite a story in and of itself. Yeah, I think one of the most interesting things about it is it was written by a Darkangelo, but not the Darkangelos. It wasn't uh, the Darkangelo twins that came back to rewrite or write another script. It was actually their cousin Jeff uh, in tandem with Dario Argento. I guess they found a loophole of some sort. I think it was... uh, the Darkangelos had written in their contract with the, the higher-ups that uh, the Darkangelos specifically owned the rights to the film, and they received royalties, which means anyone with the last name Darkangelo had been receiving uh, some of the royalties from the films and had the rights to write or produce a new one if they felt like it. And when Jeff found out about this, well, boy howdy, he decided to jump right on in that. Exactly. I mean, that's quite a major loophole. And Jeff wasn't particularly tight with the Dark Angelo twins. Uh, They hadn't talked in several years, actually, since an incident at a kite surfing festival in Portland. Uh, And they don't talk a lot about it. There are allusions to the incident in some of the uh, later interviews with the Dark Angelo twins and with uh, Jeff, but... Really, nobody knows what happens with the three of them, and I'd like to keep it that way. I, I, It's such a deep rift between the cousins that who knows what really went down. Some say uh, somebody died. Other people say it was actually a tie-dye shirt incident, but 
Either way, something happened with Dai. Well, we may never know the exact uh, source of this rift in the Dark Angelo family, but it really got to a head after the release of this film. But I guess the Dark Angelo twins should have seen it coming. Right, maybe it was just Hollywood hubris after the success of their initial films that they figured there are no other Dark Angelos that would be writing scripts, but that came back to bite them. Yeah, I mean, it's such a small family. I'm sure that they didn't really even read the contract. As we know, they cannot read. They only write. They are completely illiterate except for writing. Which which really makes their career all the more impressive. Exactly, exactly. Truly inspiring. But Jeff D'Arcangelo's connection to Dario Argento is also a really interesting story in its own. Because Dario Argento, for people who may not be as familiar with Dario Argento, he is a filmmaker of the giallo genre, which often is kind of nightmarish and dreamy, uh, gory, terrifying, but it doesn't follow as many organic plots as usual. But he does a lot of his writing in a dream state. Uh, I've watched him do it. Sometimes he will sleepwalk down here into the vault, pick up a typewriter, throw it at the wall, and then go straight to a computer, open up a word processor, and dream write. It's amazing. Um, I've never seen anything quite like it, uh, although there are a lot of things in this vault that nobody should ever see. Exactly, and we're making sure that it remains sealed, your vault. So, Well, I, I appreciate that, um, but I would love... Uh, I would love to be rescued if anybody can, could just come. Who are you talking to? Like, what? Nope, nobody. Just anybody out there, and just anybody. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't. You're hilarious. Of course, I know. Yeah, um, I'm being watched. Just somebody, anybody. Anyway, when Dario gets all. into his writing fugues, as he calls them, he requires a tender which he refers to as his dream tender. And sometimes they need to walk him. You know, they actually they'll put a leash on him and just let him do his walkies and just make sure he doesn't, you know, walk precariously onto, like, a girder being lifted or something, like a cartoon character, like a Mr. Magoo-type scenario that places him in danger. And I have seen this happen as well. Um, Jeff is that guy for for Dario right now, um, and has been since, I think, around the time of the fourth film, uh, back in 2010. So that's how they met, and that's also around the time Jeff discovered this loophole. And so they spent some time writing, uh, and uh, the film, The Man Who Was January, did come out in 2012. They, uh, they filmed it the summer of 2012, after they had just finished writing it, and they edited it, and it actually came out in the fall uh, the same year, right around uh, the presidential election, which is why you didn't see Joe Biden quite on the campaign trail that much in the summer. Exactly. He had to commit to work on this film. And it's funny, when you say edited, this is actually a very lean production. Uh, it had sponsors and some financial backing, but still, Dario's vision was grand, so they needed to keep a tight watch on the budget, so they didn't have time for a lot of retakes, or any, actually. Uh, as it turns out, this film was actually it was shot in linear order and edited in camera, which means that everything was just gotten got in one take, 
and it was already edited and finished by the time they shot the last image. There were no rewrites either, so basically it was like cooked spaghetti. You throw it at the wall and it sticks, and every idea was a good idea, and I agree with that sort of process. Um, It only took them two months to film. It really was a, a very sort of slap-bang, wham-bam, thank you, ma'am, here's a great film. Uh, and, and also, that's exactly why uh, it was only released in Italy, was because uh, Jeff feared that if the brothers found out about it, if the Dark Angela twins found out, they would try to uh, put a stop to it. So they did it as quickly as possible, as leanly as possible, and um, honestly, it I think it contributes a lot to the raw power of the movie. Yeah, and these nightmarish images that uh, pop up in this are really striking. Uh, and I think it's an interesting combination between uh, Dario Argento's dreams and the actual uh, franchise elements of the January Boys movies. Uh, they strike a really interesting balance. It's seeing these characters that you know and love that are transported into kind of this other world is really something that makes you put them in a new context. Yeah, I, I, I think that, personally, I believe that it's all canon. Maybe that's just me. Um, I know that a lot of the fans of this film really are pushing for it to be canon, even though a lot of the, uh, a lot of the fans of the original films are saying, hey back the fuck off, uh, get off of my lawn, stop picketing outside my house, I know we're, the fa- we're fans of the same movie, but you cannot be here right now, I'm calling the cops. Oh, all the time they say that. And it's strange, because they say it in exactly the same way. With the same intonation. Every time. In the exact same intonation, very sort of lackadaisical, and um, with the exact same wording, every time. It's kind of chilling, actually, Argento-esque. They do say it in unison often. Um, Sometimes I will not even be on a lawn, and someone will walk up to me, uh, two or three people will walk up to me, and they will say exactly that. And the Dark Angelo twins have been asked about this in interviews, uh, if this is some kind of effect of Stavros' astral projection that is letting him uh, seize the consciousnesses of fans and make them speak in unison. And he's always, he's a little playful. He's kind of coy about it in interviews. He's neither confirmed nor denied it, but he kind of gets this little twinkle in his eye. My favorite uh, interview is the first time it was actually asked of him, where they said, well, are you astral projecting into your fans' consciousnesses to make sure that this film does not reach canon status? And he looked directly into the camera, put his finger on his lips, and said, maybe... And it was very, it was, it was very coy. Um, it was adorable. Now that was only an interview with Stavros. Morpheus remained silent throughout the entire interview, as required by uh, the legal terms of interviews with an individual Dark Angelo. Yeah, he almost looked catatonic, like he wasn't even paying attention. Um, at one point, I think he sneezed and got a very strong scolding from his brother because that was his interview and his sneeze and. Really, where do you get off? Yeah, there you can see uh, the interview, some B-roll of it on YouTube, and it's actually, it's kind of funny, but also disturbing. It's a little upsetting, to be completely honest with you. I, I hate to see brothers fight. But the movie, 
let's let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, we're we're getting a little well, off course. topic. Sorry, listeners at home. Um, but you know us. We're just two scamps. Please rescue me. And we are just trying to do our best. I mean it. I really. I haven't eaten in three days. And if you could just stop by, uh, I'll tweet at me and I'll give you the address of the vault. But the film, the film is what we're here to talk about today. Again, my favorite, not just saying that. Um, Because of the tight schedule in which it was filmed, uh, and the fact that Hannibal Burris turned out to actually be a vampire in the end, uh, they just decided to roll with it. And that's where that plot twist comes from. They don't reference it much in the other films. Uh, I'm hoping that they bring it back in... uh, in film nine when that does come out which it's scheduled i think for release uh sometime in the next year or so i think 2019 and you can bet we'll be all over that we've definitely got some uh, message boards going and we've got our feelers out to get to the premiere and 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 stuff like that we're gonna have some inside track for you guys oh yeah speaking of um it's time for a, for a merch watch, a little segment we like to call a merch watch. Oh, I just got informed that there are January Boys mugs uh, celebrating the ninth film available now on ThinkGeek and Etsy, actually. Um, they are tiki mugs. Uh, some of them are nautical mugs, the no-spill kind with the wide base. Um, they are the faces of each actor that's going to be in the film, and that is literally every actor, all of the extras, uh, the main characters, uh, Jeb and Joe, obviously, um, and this is how we found out that uh, they're going to bring Pleepums back, so I'm very excited about that, as as one should be. Pleepums. I'm a Pleepums fan. I mean, how can you not be? Who isn't a Pleepums fan? I mean, look at those fangs. Adorable. I'm definitely buying the Pleepums mug. Pleepums von Trier, hopefully still voiced by Lars von Trier. I know there will be a lot of uh, outcry if, if Lars von Trier does not voice it. I know that in the holiday special, the Christmas special, he was actually voiced by Mark Hamill. Who did a great job, but you just can't replace Lars von Trier, you know, as Pleepums von Trier, you know. Yeah, yeah, you really can't. Um, and, I mean, it was a Christmas special, so they kind of got away with it. It was a little lower budget, and it was animated, so it was fine. I especially loved that Pleepums fought Batman. Oh, what a beautiful scene. Yeah, with the Joker. So I think Mark Hamill was already in on the project, and they just he just went back and forth and did both voices, which he did a great job. I'm not saying that he didn't, but, uh, yeah, I just I really want them to go back to Lars von Trier's sultry, sexy voice. We'll, we'll get an episode on the animated Christmas special coming up for you guys at some point as well, so don't think we've forgotten about that. No. Um, but in other merchandise news, they have flowers that have been genetically altered to smell like Hannibal Burris on sale now uh, at flower shops near you across the country. So if you love the way that roses look, but love the way that Hannibal Burris smells, then this is your product. Uh, They're really trying to get into the botanical merchandising community. There's a lot of room for growth, I think, in there. Um, I don't know. What do you think about this? I'm very excited. I can't wait for them to branch out into other smells as well. I mean, you know, they got to do a Joe Biden smell. Uh, 
leather. Just deep, rich leather with a little bit of... Uh, Mint toothpaste. Yeah, that little sparkle. So I think that's going to be a hot merch item to watch out for. Do you think they'll use roses again, or do you think they'll go for a different sort of, maybe like a lavender for Joe? I think they're probably, if I had to guess, I think they're going to go in another direction just to kind of hit all the bases in the flower fan community, and uh, I think lavender would be a fair one. Uh, Even lupins, maybe? Maybe chrysanthemums? Yeah, in my in my dream, I think just a whole field of Joe Biden leathery lupins just mm. planted in the face of Joe Biden would be. That's the image that I want to see happen. Well, and hopefully they will end up making that uh, January Boys uh, film theme park. So we we might see that in the future. It's going crazy, you guys. The franchise has really been blowing up. Yeah, and buildings have really been blowing up. In other news, the terrorist attacks on the January Boys fandom continues. Uh, The Iron Rooster has been seeking vengeance for the death of his brother. So if any of you know anything about that or can find the Iron Rooster, um, well, let us know. Tweet at us at JanuaryPod. We're all in this together. Let's take a moment of silence to mourn the loss of a few of our fellow fans. Anyway, there wasn't a lot of drama behind the scenes on this one, which is unusual on a, on a movie set, but there was a lot of lit- litigation afterwards, and, and you can still see the sketches. Jeff Darkangelo actually is uh, selling prints on his Etsy website of the courtroom sketches so that he can make a little bit more money off of the royalties than he already is. Yeah, I mean, he's been struggling in recent years because, I mean, this film is getting some traction in uh, the last couple years, but it's still in a lot of legal limbo, uh, which basically both lawyers have to compete in a limbo contest that is still to be set, and the winner will get the rights uh, to the film. Right, and the the law is very specific in this instance and in this instance alone it must be a luau themed limbo contest this is really surprising for an italian court to write uh that it's specifically a, a luau style themed but you know and and that's why it's taken so long is because italians don't want to eat hawaiian food it's just they refuse uh they the lawyers are both very italian and they just refuse to eat anything that is not of italian origin Spaghetti, pizza. I mean, you know how Italians get about their food. There's an entire Twitter page about it. So this is, again, a complicated legal case that uh, has taken up a lot of time. But uh, I'm sure it'll get settled soon, that limbo contest. I think the date is coming up for a month from now. And whatever way it rolls down, we'll be seeing a lot more from this film from whatever party. They're both trying to get in on this train. Luckily, though, trains do feature heavily in the next film uh, that we will be talking about in the future. Uh, January Boys 6, directed by David Lynch, uh, suddenly carnies. So that'll be exciting uh, to talk about. And uh, really, if anyone could come and rescue me or help me escape in any way, I'd really appreciate that. So I want to talk about gondolas real quick here, because... 
regardless of how it the legal case winds down, uh, for people that have managed to see this film, uh, you may be aware of the PSA for gondola safety that happens at the end of the film and the long gondola chase sequence that we talked about last week. One of the primary backers for this film at the time was the gondola industry. There had been a rash of gondola accidents, uh, and they were really trying to get uh, back into awareness of how to properly operate a gondola uh, safely with consideration for uh, other gondoliers. There had been a rash of texting and gondola driving, and it really created an unsafe atmosphere, so they were looking for a way to increase awareness about this issue and it just happened that this film was undergoing production at that time so they kind of wrapped it around and it actually created a very suspenseful sequence uh, in this i think yeah asgop the association for safe gondola practices had really sunk their teeth into the idea of a venetian giallo as a sort of means of getting safety rules across um they had had a meeting, I think, a couple of weeks before filming, and uh, they were like, we don't have any way to film this uh, feature, feature-length PSA. And then along came January Boys 5. And they really, they, they were like, you can use as many gondolas as you want. We will fund you, we will back you, but you gotta have this PSA at the end. And so what happens in the PSA is... Jeb and Joe come out of the shadows, uh, mouths full of blood, and they say, you know, we've had a lot of fun here today, but really, be safe when driving your gondola. Uh, and then they go through a couple of gondola tips. Uh, I, let me see if I can remember any. No texting and gondolaing, right? That's that's a big one. Always wear your gondola seatbelt. They actually do recommend singing while piloting your gondola because the reflection of the sound waves helps you detect, actually, upcoming curves and hazards. The louder you sing, the better, because not only does it help you sort of sonically navigate, it also lets other gondola drivers know that you're gondolaing in their neck of the woods, as it were. Um, That being said, if you are to take your gondola out of the water and into the woods, they recommend that you take an amphibious gondola and not your naturally occurring Venetian water gondolas. They're just not suited for it, and they get really uh, sort of sweaty, and that's a cause of a leading cause of gondola deaths. Yeah, exactly. They also recommended brightly colored gondolas, and they know, hey, okay, we know you may not look cool, but let's be safe. And there's still ways to make bright colors look rad. That was the word they used, rad, I believe. Yeah, rad. I think they used groovy one or two times. It was. A little cringeworthy, but, I mean, they're right. Gondola deaths have gone up in the United States by scores. I think uh, gondolas are the leading cause of death in the United States right now. Um, There have been school gondolierings nationwide, uh, even more so, since this uh, last couple of months. So be safe out there, you guys. Watch out for gondolas. Um, If your child is into gondolas... Uh, call the proper authorities or tweet us at January Pod. Just keep singing. Just keep singing, and everything will be fine. And eventually, eventually, you won't be in an underground vault, and your kids won't be at a school where gondolas are allowed on campus. And I'm sorry, I don't mean to get political about this, but gondolas should be. I can't believe I have to say this. It's 2018. Gondolas need licenses. 
you should lock up your gondola in your house. And I know some people are like, well, I need it for self-defense. I need it if the the government's going to come and take my gondolas. But look, if you think that a gondola is going to protect you against a government raid, you obviously haven't seen 24. I, I admit, I have a license for my gondola, and I use it primarily for hunting. Right. You gotta take classes, you guys. Go to the gondola range. Exactly. You gotta know how to operate these things. They're not toys. I mean, I'm all for the right to bear gondolas, but really, should bears have gondolas? Think about it. Think about it. All right, I'm gonna get off my soapbox. Yeah, step down there. It's a little—it's getting tall, and you're frightening me. Sorry. All right, I'm back. I'm seated again. There you go. That's much better. Well, thanks, folks. Uh, hope you'll forgive us for getting political at the end there, but we have passions that we care about, and uh, we thought we'd touch upon it. And it's hard to separate from this film, but we hope you enjoyed some of the stories about the making of this film. We hope we piqued your interest about this film uh it's showing up in a lot more video rental stores i think it's on demand now you can find it blockbuster has it in alaska at there you go that's probably one of the easiest ways you know they'll really appreciate it. they'll be real grateful yeah they'll be just head over heels for you and you might get married who knows um thanks again for listening you guys if you have any questions or if you want to share your feelings about the film uh tweet us at january pod and um Yes, is there anything else you would like to say? As always, keep January in your heart. January Men is hosted by A.V. Eichenbaum and Davis Banta. This episode was brought to you by the letter G for Gondola and Giallo. The music for today's episode was just some chords on a ukulele our sound editor threw in to save time. Thanks for listening. So's to you.